Welcome to The Follow-Up, a podcast by Quorum Day of Church. In this podcast, we break down the truths of Sunday's sermon and make them applicable for your everyday life. Welcome to The Follow-Up, everyone. My name is Billy Glosson. I am the lead pastor of Quorum Deo Church, and with me is my good friend, deacon of Quorum Deo Music, Michael Tooley. How's it going? So we are looking back at this past Sunday's sermon where we looked at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We are going to be uh, looking at Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 32 through 52. So I'll read that for us. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came to them and said a third time, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple, teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. So that was the passage we looked at, and that was a little bit of a... Mark there at the end, putting himself into the story in a sort of awkward way, but there he is. And we look specifically at this kind of uh, interaction that Jesus has with his disciples, but also, man, just this really intense moment of Jesus's humanity, of him putting out his desires of, of what he wanted, but also his willingness to abide by what God was calling him to do. He submits his will to the Father's will, and he drinks the cup that was due to us. Now, there's a couple things here um, that we talked about that are really kind of applicable right here, right now for our life and the everyday. And the first thing we just kind of wanted to talk about was this idea that, hey, if you're having a tough week, um, if you feel like your friends aren't the best, um, if you feel like life is unfair, um, if you feel like there's something you should do, but it seems really hard, Jesus understands. Um, He can relate. Michael, how's that been a source of encouragement for you to know that Jesus understands and can relate to our frustrations and our suffering? Um, It honestly gives 
me a great pause, honestly, thinking through it. I when we when I listened on Sunday, it was I was thinking a lot about the passage in Hebrews, um, just the the language of like, we have a greater high priest um, who knows what it's like to go through what we've gone through, and so just thinking about it from the sense of the garden. Um, there's just so many levels. There's just so many levels of like facing the future, you know, forsakenness of the father, but also just having his earthly friends just kind of fail him right before they're going to fail him further, you know? Um, and I think a lot of us can relate to kind of that, that dual reality as well, where we feel many of us know what it's like to feel abandoned whether it was by a family member or whether it was by, um, you know, people that we thought were more invested in our, in our lives, people that we thought really cared about us. And they probably made even claims to us like the disciples did Jesus where it's like, no, I would die for you type thing, you know? And then we feel when we're out in the, the stress, we feel the loneliness of that. And so, that's a situation that it's like, man, can God even understand that? And it's, it's just wild because he does. Christ understands that. And then also on top of that, the feeling of like that we've had before of, and I know personally, I felt this a lot of, man, God, are you there? Are you there? Like, do you, are you there? (laughs) Um, And if you are, then why can't I, why can't I feel your presence? And just knowing that like, Jesus was, that's what he was facing. Like he was going to face like actual um, forsakenness, whereas we have not been forsaken. Um, so yeah, it's it's of great encouragement and also just kind of makes me stop and, and reflect. Um, yeah, in the ways that I'm just not aware of him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we kind of sometimes lose sight of this, this, this reality that, man, God is with us. He's not going to forsake us, right? That, that's the promise of Hebrews, that he, he would never leave us or forsake us. And, and that's also what Jesus says as he ascends into heaven. He's given us the indwelling Holy Spirit. So we have so much comfort, so much joy. But beyond that, it's the reality of like, hey, two things can be true at the same time. You can be having a really tough day. Um, things can be really hard. People can be unfaithful to you. And Jesus can still be close and near and good. And, and the thing that's so comforting is Jesus doesn't just kind of say, put on a happy face. I mean, he is in agony in a way that we can't even understand. Right. And yet he unites his will to the fathers and drinks the cup of wrath so that we can taste eternal joy. Yeah. And I think, I think also just the fact that like, I know for me anyway, I, I feel like God's presence and stuff more when I'm pursuing him. And so just this thought of like Christ pursued us first. He, he comes after us first and he doesn't leave us. And even though we will ignore him, we will ignore the spirit's presence all throughout the week. That's the reality of what's going on in my heart. A lot of times it's like, I'm like, God, where are you? And he's like, I haven't left. What are you distracted by? (laughs) type thing. And sometimes that is like a lack of sleep, you know? And so there's just, like I said, in this passage, there's so many different facets where it's like, we can relate to the, the disciples, you know, on Mm -hmm. a really deep level, but how profound is it that 
God the Son is relating to us in this moment. Yeah, it's it's deeply profound. And I think in tandem with that, um, we do see in the garden, there's this interaction where Jesus goes to his closest friends, right? Peter, James, and John. These are guys who've been with him through a lot. They get a lot of kind of exclusive one-on-one moments with Jesus. Um, they saw the transfiguration. And, and you would think, hey, these guys, especially after Peter just said, hey, I'll die with you, that they would be ready to go. They would be ready to kind of face this moment, but they're asleep. And I think often we are in moments of hardship and and frustration where we're like, man, I wish people would reach out to me. I wish people would pursue me. And I think one of the challenging things is this passage, man, it should challenge us to be better friends in a couple ways. I think the first thing is that we should be those who pursue other people. Like if you're listening to this right now and, and you, you've been frustrated because you're like, I wish people would text me or call me or reach out. Um, have you been doing that for other people? And if you have, has it been a minute since you've been proactive about it, right? Have you kind of let it slide a little bit? Because I would really petition you to be the kind of person that pursues other people. If we want to look like Jesus, Jesus is the one who pursues us to the other most. And again, if we want to look like Christ, we consider what Philippians 2 calls us to, which is this idea that we consider others more significant than ourselves, which is a hard challenge. But often what's lacking in our friendships is no one's willing to give in, right? We, we all want to be the center of the universe. We all want everything to kind of be about us and people pursuing us, and we're not willing to go out and seek others. And man, I just, I really, really, really think if we would put this mentality at the forefront of our minds to, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a better friend. I want to be someone who calls other people, who reaches out, sends a text, who pursues to see how folks are doing, how I can be praying for them, what's going on in their lives. I really think not only would that be a way that you can look more like Jesus, but also a way that you could go to a deeper place in your friendships. Yeah. I think that's such a rich, rich thing, but it's really hard to, to, to do sometimes it's really hard to be active in. Well, I think like, I mean, I don't know if you're listening to this right now, just think of like three people that you wish would pursue you. I would bet money that they feel the exact same way. Like they want to be pursued and they're probably thinking like, man, I wish they would pursue me. Yeah. And so it's just like, we're, we're all in this together. We're all feeling this like sense of like, I just want to be sought after all the while Christ is seeking after us. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like I look at this situation in the garden and Christ is coming out of like just such a long time and journey with these people of all he's done is give. And this is like one of the first times he's like, Hey, can you do me a favor and and just sit here and watch? And, and they're just like, yeah, sure. Whatever, man, I'm kind of tired, you know? <laughs> so again, yeah, it is that challenge of like, what are the things like, even, even the things that we've, you know, agreed to help somebody out and then we're just like not invested in it. We're not like, you know, Mm. I don't know. There's just so many different facets of like, wow. Yeah. That we would be better friends that Christ, even at the end of it, you know, he still is just like, it's enough. The time has come, you know, he's, he's clearly frustrated, but he's just like, it is what it is. It's fine. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too, Jesus challenges them. But there's also, we know, grace because, again, we remember what Jesus said to them just a little bit before this when he was breaking the bread 
and passing the cup, it's an invitation to say, Hey, like when I come back, we're going to meet at the place I first called you. And here's what I would say. The first thing is we want to challenge you guys to pursue other people. But here's the other thing, have grace for when those folks disappoint you. Um, right. If Jesus can be gracious to these men who not only right are, are falling asleep, but then when Jesus is arrested, what do we see happen? They all flee. They all run. And Jesus is left alone to face his trial, which is barely a trial, and then his death alone. And yet, Jesus doesn't condemn these men. He restores them. We need to have that kind of mentality for our friends, that kind of mentality for our family members, that kind of mentality for our brothers and sisters in Christ to love them, to pursue them, and to have grace for them when they mess up. What that makes me think of is at the end of John's gospel, um, just thinking about grace and thinking about all that Jesus has gone through. And this is on the other side of the resurrection. He's standing on the shore and he's, you know, there's that moment where he tells the disciples like, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And, and then Peter like realizes, oh my goodness, that's Jesus. Um, and this is just such a great detail in verse 12 at the end of John. It says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And that's just kind of what I picture. He's just like, he's not like, I'm back. I told, you know, like rubbing it in their face. Like I told you I would be back, you know? Yeah. He's just like, it's as if none of their, their, their shortfallings have happened. Mm. And he just treats them like a friend. And I, I love that. Like come and have breakfast. Like, I don't know. It's so good. Well, we want to um, kind of land the plane here. If you're struggling, right, and you're, you're frustrated with friendship, or it maybe maybe none of that's the kind of stuff that you're dealing with. Maybe you just feel like, I keep messing up. I'm not doing the things I want to do. I feel like I'm the disciples. I want to be strong for Jesus, but I keep falling asleep. Hmm. Would you see and be reminded that Jesus drank the cup? Yeah. What we deserved, Christ drank. And what Christ deserves is our reward. We have to remember that. That has to propel us further towards obedience, yes, but also to great joy and hope. Man, let's rehearse the gospel, right? Let's love one another like Jesus. Let's be in each other's lives. Let's pursue each other, pray for each other, care for one another. But let's be a people who again remember that Jesus has drank the cup and drank it full. I think, yeah, I think this can be one of the one of the parts of Christianity that I don't know. If frustrating is the right word, but it's one of those aspects of Christianity that makes it kind of tough on us sometimes because we all we're all like doers and we're all looking for the actionable. And a lot of times in the gospel, more often than not, the application, the actionable, is look at Jesus, look what he did. And rejoice. And that is like where life is found. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we want to say thanks again for tuning in and listening. We want to give you guys, again, just a little bit more to be chewing on and thinking about. And so we're going to recommend an article this time. And so this is great because it's free. All you got to do is go to the show notes and you'll see a link to this. It's an article called Beware of Friendship Idealism from Christine Hoover. It's on the Gospel Coalition. It's a fantastic article that talks about the reality of that, hey, we can have some 
pretty, uh, pretty staunch idealism when it comes to what we expect and demand of others. Um, and just a, a challenging way for us to actually put on a biblical framework. Really, really great, uh, helpful article. You guys can find that as well. I'll put a link to the song that I quoted in the sermon uh, from the band, My Epic, The Song Alone. Um, that's all we have this time. We're thankful for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for listening to the follow-up. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. To learn more about Corum Deo, check us out on social media at Corum Deo NC or go to our website, CorumDeoNC.com. Thanks, y'all.